Welcome to the MTB Tribe Podcast, your trail map for the world of mountain biking. And now, I'll introducing your host, Gareth Beckett. How do you mountain bikers? Thanks for being here and welcome to episode number 95 of the MTB Tribe Podcast. I'm here to help you find out more about mountain biking, how to get out in the trails, keep you stoked and hopefully learn a little more about mountain biking and the people involved. So thanks for being here, thanks for tuning in and thanks for letting me be in your earballs for one more week. It is much appreciated. Now just before we get on to today's episode, there's a couple of offers for you um, through listeners of the MTB Tribe podcast. First of all, the Strength Factory has been very kind, Ben there has been very kind to offer you guys 50% off um, a special deal for MTB Tribe podcast listeners. So get 50% off your first month's subscription with the Strength Factory's Strength and Conditioning program it's very very simple you just go through to strength and conditioning program there and you'll find those guys at the strengthfactory.uk and simply enter the promo code tribe strong that's all one word tribe strong which gives you 50% off your first month subscription and then the normal price after that so it's a good deal now this deal is only valid until the 15th of July so you will have to get on it very very soon and it's an awesome awesome program so if you want to get stronger fitter and faster on the trails this is the program to have a look at Ben and uh, what he does over there is is very very good the stuff is really really top notch and it will get you riding faster and uh, you'll have more fun on the trails that's for sure now, also, the guys at Trail Honor Known are giving the MTB Tribe podcast listeners 10% off your first ride with them. So take advantage and get 10% off your first ride. All you have to do is email the guys. You will find their email address at trailunknown.com. And once you go through there, just mention to the guys that you are a listener to the podcast. And the discount code is MTB Tribe Unknown. Again, that's all one word, MTB Tribe Unknown. The discount is available for all 2019 trips. Um, it's that simple, so just get in contact with the guys and uh, get your get your butt over to the UK there or wherever you may be and um, have a great time with these guys. And they have a load, load new um, guided tours that they're doing there at the minute and some different ones and some very cool ones. Um, they take you off the beaten track, all that kind of thing. So you'll get to places you never would by yourself. Um, so it's worth checking out. So on to today's show and on episode 95 we are chatting to Moses King and Simon Blake and those guys, you know, they're among a bunch of people that are doing great, great things in East Africa. Now we tried to set this up quite a while ago. This was about the Rwanda Enduro, it's the first ever Rwanda Enduro in East Africa and um, it was held on the 24th and 25th of May. Um, of this year so we're a wee bit late in getting this to you but we tried to hook it up we tried to do it straight after the race and um, we done that with a previous episode from Uganda the Elgon Enduro in Uganda episode 75 we done it there it worked really good the guys were all in high spirits they just raced the winners were there and the organizers were there and it worked really well but we just couldn't get internet to work for us um, it kept dropping in and out um, so we couldn't do it this time and then after the race everybody split up went their separate ways and um, it was very very difficult to get everybody together uh, for a chat but we finally tracked down Moses and Simon and uh, Simon's been on the podcast a number of times with the East Africa thing that's happening there and everything he's doing there which is all all good stuff but Moses we chat to him about starting the Enduro it was his it was his idea to start the Enduro Moses and myself have been emailing back and forth for um, a number of months now and Moses was very interested in starting an Enduro and I kind of pushed him on Simon's lap and uh, got him and Simon chatting so um, it finally ended up happening and it seems to be an absolute blast there the guys seem to have such a great time and and it's such a good story because Moses is only 15 years old he's 15 years old he started his first enduro um it's crazy and you know a lot of the money and a lot of the financing come out of Moses's own pocket um it's a great story um he couldn't have done it with all the help obviously with the guys there involved in making the mountain bike scene in East Africa just so good at the minute so tune in, folks. It's a great episode. You'll find out what's going on there, the difficulties the guys have. 
in East Africa of starting Enduros. And it's very, very different from back home here. Just the, the things you'll come up against, the problems you'll experience, things you have to work around, stuff like that. So it's it's quite crazy. Like these guys have to buy crops and stuff um, so they can ride through farmers' fields and things like that. So it's, it's pretty nuts, man. It's pretty nuts. But the trails just seemed amazing there. The images coming out of there were really, really good. And um, they look pretty difficult, to be honest. The riding there is not easy, that's for sure. So tune in, folks. Have a listen and uh, see what's going on in the world of East Africa and what was happening with the Rwanda Enduro. And um, all I have to do now is welcome Moses and Simon to the MTB Tribe podcast. Just a quick heads up before you go into the podcast. At the end of the podcast, there is a bit of interference. Moses was very busy. He It was the 4th of July when we recorded this in America, so Moses was actually over there at this time. Um, there's lots of gunfire in the back. They were at a shooting range, things like that. Um, and then at the end of the episode, Moses sadly had to leave. So he's in a car, so there is a bit of noise there. There is a bit of background noise, but just bear with it, and uh, we'll get to the end. Thanks, folks. Enjoy the show. Hi Simon, welcome to the MTB Tribe podcast. Welcome back, dude. Um, I think this is about your hundredth time on the podcast, eh? <laughs> yeah, I've had a few. It's <laughs> been pretty cool. Well, I'm I, glad to be back again. Thanks, bud. Well, listen, it's good because it shows that there's a lot happening out in East Africa. Eh? There's a lot happening out in your area and... Um, it's good to keep tabs on it. I just like checking in with you guys, see what's going on, because you're so active out there. So um, awesome stuff, man. You're you're working really hard, eh? Yep, yep. So, no, it's been – It's it always feels like it's coming together slowly, um, and there's always more things I could be doing. Um, but, yeah, there's definitely things happening, and we're getting you know, a little bit to funding, or we're getting people involved, or more people coming to ride. Um, a few more events coming up that other people are organising, which is always cool. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, no, there's there's stuff happening for sure. Happy days. Well, listen, I want to get into that a wee bit later in the show. Um, but what we were originally trying to do here was have three or four of us on. We've tried a few times now, and um, we just couldn't make it happen. Uh, we wanted to chat about the Rwanda Enduro. Yeah. Um, so we... we we um, tried to get Moses. We tried to get Will on. Um, I think Will's away holding in Europe or somewhere at the minute, is he? Yeah, so Will's just been in his first EWS Enduro, actually. So he wanted to go over and obviously, you know, mix it with the big boys and see what an <laughs> EWS is all about. And he had some pretty cool little posts on social media and yeah. was sort of saying, look, I think I'm going to come last. These dudes over here are blisteringly fast. Mm-hmm. But... It's all good. I'm going to try and stay safe and try not to go crazy. And uh, I think he had a lot of time, a lot of good times over there. And he knows a few of the guys from the guys that have been out to visit him in Uganda. Uh, and then he think he's off to another race now next week somewhere in Europe, another EWS. Mm-hmm. So he's um, yeah, he's mixing it, and I'm sure he's going to be in a lot quicker when he comes back to Africa again um, from mm-hmm. what he's learnt from the European boys. So, yeah. no, Will's, yeah, he's flying at the moment, so that's good. Awesome. I love the post he put up on social media, um, I think it was Instagram maybe, and it was like the car park, and it was all these big camper vans, and then this wee, like, Ford Transit or something stuck in the middle, <laughs> and all these other, and he was just a narrow, that's me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Brilliant, yeah. brilliant. Um, and Moses is in South Carolina at the minute, so we were having some issues kind of connecting and stuff there. Yeah, Skype, I think Skype's great, but national times and all that sort of stuff, <laughs> time differences. Yeah, so it can be tough. It can be tough. Um, yeah. But let's get into the Rwanda Enduro. It was the first one, Simon. Yes, first one ever. Yeah, so first Rwanda Enduro, um, and in the end, it did go quite well. Uh, hats off to Moses for pulling it all together while apparently doing his final year exams at school and i think the exams finished like one or two days before the enduro started so he was when he should have been studying he was yeah either plotting stuff on on trails or whatever it was and i think his mum was occasionally reminding him that these were relatively important exams coming up but (laughs) um then he was also then the whole family is moved back to the usa um so he yeah, he was born in Rwanda, but he's going to live in the USA for a while. So he also had all of that to do. So he must have been a very, very busy 
young man up until wow. the, the event. Uh, and then luckily Renee from Rad Rides, who organises the um, Lesotho uh, Kingdom Enduro and also has mountain bike guiding over in Italy, he somehow ended up helping out Moses for the Rwanda Enduro. And so I think a lot of the trails, Moses had found bits and pieces over the period that he lived in Rwanda, but uh, Renee came in and did quite a lot of work, actually, with a few of the local uh, people, and they dug a whole lot of new trail and then linked up existing walking tracks. So mm-hmm. there was some, yeah, quite interesting trails. It was... It was pretty cool, and, and it was good having Renee there. He mostly just filmed for the whole weekend. He didn't really compete, mm-hmm. um, and that guy is so fast. Um, so he could keep up with everyone with the GoPro, and he just he got a lot of good falls and a lot of, uh, a lot of good crashes. So that was wow. pretty cool. And um, but it was cool as well. He was just you know every now and then he'd give someone a little pointer and do this, think about this more, do that. So I think a lot of people even improved their riding just from riding his trails and they were pretty steep in mm-hmm. sections uh, and we were super lucky with the weather um it's sort of the end of the wet season when the enduro was put on and if that Hello. race had been hey this moment oh. yes sorry guys uh, i'm late to join the car it's fourth july here so things are pretty- well timed <laughs> <laughs> we've just started talking about your race moses Moses, you had been emailing me and we had been chatting back and forth uh, about one thing and another, um, about you starting the Rwanda Enduro. Um, and it yeah. all came together, man. So well done. Like a lot of people want to do these things, but they can never really manage to get it together. Um, so can you just take us through that? Just chat to us why you wanted to, to start the Enduro. Uh, um, so when I was, um, I guess, in February, right after Christmas, um. I had ha- I had just gotten the new specialized stump jumper, so um, I was interested in um, I was interested in um, kind of starting a race and doing something with my enduro bike. And I, cause I knew I couldn't make it out to Kenya that easily to race uh, Adam Davis's race, mm-hmm. the Kajab enduro. So um, I talked to a few people saw if i could get some sponsors that's when i kind of reached out to you simon and will simon was actually there for the tour of rwanda and um i talked to him and he kind of helped me make the rwandan duo logo so we got things kind of started and rolling um and when most things were set in action it took a while for like, actual trails start getting built. I contacted Renee, who's a trail builder in South Africa. I contacted his photographer, and um, he decided to come out and help us, uh, which was really nice. Um, and I guess I just had to pay for kind of his living and um, working. And it was really great to kind of have him be there. I mean, the race, it would have been a much harder race if he hadn't been there because I had school and um, other things to be doing at the exact same time. Mm-hmm. And especially since my family was moving back to the U.S. in that same two months period between the race and after the race. So um, we kind of had to rush things towards the end, but I think... Things mostly worked out other than we didn't get to go to the northern province due to the government not letting us because it was a public holiday or work day in the morning of the second day of racing. But other than that, the race, um, I kind of just got inspired by seeing other things going on around, around Rwanda. And we already, we have so many mountains in Rwanda that I guess I kind of thought someone should act and do something otherwise it will never happen so mm-hmm. that's kind of how the race came to be wow and do you mind me asking what age you are moses i am 15 you're 15 yep oh my word so like that is a lot of organization 
a lot of management skills to get something like this to happen. Like, yeah, dude, fifteen. Like, I it would scare me if I wanted to try and start an enduro, and I I could be your father. Yeah, yeah. I mean, my parents were wondering why I would think of starting such something. I guess, especially during exams and all the other things that were going on. But I kind of realized. I didn't know it would be that much work, but when it ha- happened, um, things kind of um, chilled out and got quiet towards the end when Renee was here helping me. Mm-hmm. And exams were like stressful to have the race because I actually had to take my classes early to go to the race and actually participate, which was um, really um, hard, but in the end, I did well, and hopefully for the next year, the organization might be harder since I'll be on the U.S. side, but hopefully I'll be able to get out two weeks or three weeks before the race. So I'm thinking of having in June where I'll yeah, be on vacation. Um, so that's, that's a cousin. Um, <laughs> so um, I will hopefully be able to go out. We mostly have trails set out, and for next year, I definitely have a bigger stage. That will probably be 17 minutes down, maybe 15 minutes for the pros. And that one, I'm pretty excited about. And I already have people who are there who can do their paperwork and other things for me while I'm on this side of mm-hmm. the world. And kind of what I try to be doing here is raising money for the next year's race just so we can have more things and more um, better timing system, better timers and a lot of the other things that can be fixed on from the uh, this Enduros uh, in 2019. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sounds amazing, sounds amazing. So Simon, when Moses got in contact with you, um, how did you go about, did you take it seriously? What were your thoughts? Yeah, initially he just said, uh, I've seen what you guys are doing in Kenya. Um uh, and would like to get an enduro start in Rwanda. And then I remember, I think I'd been speaking with Peter Horsey and Will um, just about the East African Enduro Series, and we thought, yeah, it'd be sweet to have an event in Rwanda. It's one more country that we can... Um, and then Moses was sending me some sort of ride photos and a few little videos and... Um, he was doing some up in Musanze and then some around uh, Kigali. Um, and then another mate of ours, Paul Belknap, who goes to most of the East African Enduro Series races, just happened to be in Rwanda for um, some business. So he flew over with his bike and then met up with Moses and they went out for a ride. And then I think Paul also um, said to Moses, this is what we're doing in Kenya. This is what the events are actually like. This is how steep the trails are, blah, blah, blah. And I don't know 100%, but then I'm guessing after that, Moses got in contact with uh, Renee. And then um, on the trails, I think once Renee got involved, the trails definitely got a lot steeper. um, But the best thing is they're super close to Kigali City. Like, I actually had to go for a meeting to do with the Kenyan Riders road cycling team on the day before. So I sort of tried to link up a few things while I was in Rwanda. And so we finished one of the stages, and I just rode a very inefficient dual suspension mountain bike from the trail ending all the way into the city. Met this guy for a meeting and then came back again. (laughs) <laughs> so it's like right on the edge of the city, not too far from the big, big bus station in Kigali. So for like anyone that's in Kigali, if you like that type of riding or you want to fly in, you can get your bike in there. Then it's all on trail forks now. Um, mm-hmm. And the access top and bottom is actually quite easy because all the trail heads are off a dirt road and the trails all end on a dirt road. So to get back, to the tarmac and we even on the day before the event we we're just like going to do reckeys and checking the trail we were just doing the up shuttle on motorbikes so you just flip your bike upside down put it on your lap and you pay some guy probably like two dollars maybe a dollar i can't remember exactly but not much and then he'll drive you yeah. all the way up up quite a big hill on the tarmac 
then ride the dirt, drop the trail back on the motorbike again. So location-wise, these trails are in a fantastic place because they're so close to the city. But they mm-hmm. still feel like you're in – because you are, you're still in farms. Um, you're just using essentially just walking paths from village to village. Mm. So they're pretty yeah. cool. Excellent. And Moses, is that your local area? I yeah. So that I I I was based in Kigali the last four years. I was in Rwanda, but before that, I was up in the northern province, which uh, where that's where the volcanoes are, and in between mm. that, there's a lot of steep hills. So I'd say I I was more familiar with trails up in the north, but I. I guess um, when I talk to people, other riders who I've seen ride Strava around the city, I kind of talked to them and I went out with them and we kind of just found a few possible hills. And then, of course, when Renee came out, he knew exactly what he was looking for. So I kind of drove him around and he looked and he found uh, three ridges that were going to be good for the race. And he kind of just walked there every single day leading up to the race. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I did see footage on social media and stuff of you guys working on the yeah. trails and building the trails. That looked that looked pretty amazing. Like, do you know the kind of distance of trails you had to work on or anything? Um, the trail, uh, the distance was, I guess, some of the the longest trail was about four kilometers nearly four kilometers from top to bottom Mm -hmm. and this was actual because renee he when he works he the work has to be perfect done in a certain matter to also help us for next year so we don't have as much work so Mm -hmm. these people were actually working maybe 10 hours a day since they would get there at seven renee would always come back at seven so they were working really hard to have a one-hour lunch break, get right back to work. And I would be able to go out mostly after school if I could, just to go pay people for their work, kind of see what's going on. And, I mean, we always had the complications of someone wants this money for this, someone took my hoe, someone did this, someone did that. So I always had to come out every at least three times in a week just to check on trail builders because they in Rwanda they weren't used to actually having the boss of the trail be with them and watch them and work with them while they work mm-hmm. so then they normally like will slack and take a two-hour break maybe come 30 minutes late maybe leave an hour before work ends so when they had Renee they we had agreed on a price we would pay them, but towards the end, they were kind of, we actually had to get rid of a whole team of trail builders because they wanted $2 more than we were paying them because they said the work was too hard. And they were, because I guess they were working actual hours and they couldn't not work or slack off. Mm-hmm. And I mean, as me, who were, I was the one who was paying every all the bills so i i could obviously not afford to just pay them whatever they wanted so we renee found new guys and what was amazing was renee doesn't speak in rwanda he's never been he's never been in rwanda for a while but somehow i still got a team of people to work with him everywhere he went he'd get like three or four guys actually he got a few women to work on the trails and most of these people are just people who kind of sit around, go to their farm now and then, and they don't really have a actual job and something to do. So the people who worked well this year, um, I kept their contacts. And what I'm going to do is I'll have my contacts person in Rwanda kind of reach out to them for next year again. And if they kind of already know, the good thing is they already know how they did the trails Mm-hmm. this past year so um they can probably do they can be more efficient and do more work this year even if renee is not there to supervise them and i'll pro- i'll try to be there i guess to supervise them week or two weeks leading to the race mm-hmm. yeah. yeah and these people are just local they're just local people they're they're not obviously trail building isn't their isn't their work but yeah, they, they were yeah, just no, local trail. guys 
Yeah, trail building is not the work. Yeah, they're just local guys. Normally, the, the jobs are kind of doing things like what they kind of have someone comes to them, says, do this or carry this down the hill. I'll pay you $2. So they would, they're kind of guys who are just on standby looking for any type of work mm-hmm. all the time. So when they find us and we tell them, work for us for two weeks, we'll pay you this certain amount, and they actually have a salary that's been agreed on, they were pretty happy. And they're kind of insured of the fact that next year we'll also abuse them. Are you doing the creep club? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, it sounds, it sounds pretty amazing. Um, no, comes with difficulties, of course, but... Um that's yeah. that's the way that kind of all goes. So tell us a wee bit about the the stages then. So how many stages did the race have? Uh, the race had um, in total we had about six stages. Um, on the second day, which we were supposed to go up to the north, um, of course that got cancelled at short notice. So Rene kind of quickly built up a stage at the. Uh, other side of the mountain and that stage went down to the river then we kind of walked up the whole other side the other mountain across and then he kind of, we kind of did a fun um adventure stage where you don't know the way but with people in front kind of screeching and using their brakes to show everyone else the way we kind of went down to the bottom of the other <laughs> right cool cool so it was it was done over two days was there two or three stages a day or um yeah, the average, uh, the f- on Friday we did actually four stages. Oh. Yeah, and on Saturday, I guess that was, um, we had two stages on Saturday since those were more long ones, such as the walking up the hill. Right. And um, then Sunday, we kind of had people pick their favorite two or th- yeah, no, two stages that they enjoyed on Friday. And they kind of wanted better time for those, so we ha- we redid those and gave the people opportunity to make their times better mm-hmm. on Sunday. Yeah, because I suppose the majority of the people are, you know, the competitors are racing these trails blind. They have never done it before. Um. So on Sunday, um, the trails were um actually the, we had I guess. On actually no Saturday trails, I had myself. I hadn't done that trail. Renee had done that trail, um, but I had I personally hadn't. Um, um, but on Saturday, most people were kind of riding blind. But mm-hmm. um, when it came to Sunday, people actually got faster times because they had ridden the trails at least four times. They were mm-hmm. more comfortable. And most people did them on Thursday, as Simon said. So they were more familiar with the trails that were right outside the Kigali mountain range, uh, Kigali city in the okay, mountains go. around it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Cool. And do yeah. you know do you know numbers of competitors and stuff like that, Simon? How did it kind of go with the other East African enduros and stuff like that? Yeah, it was good. Like it all, we. We got the timing figured out in the end. Uh, it was generally we tried to use WebScorer, but um, we had guys that had only used WebScorer for the first time. Like we set it all up on the phones and gave them the phones and told them what to press and sort of not what to press. And unfortunately, in the first day, they pressed all the wrong buttons. <laughs> so luckily, Strava is always to the rescue. But we also had a piece of pen and paper just as a backup, um, so we were able to. Pretty, we got all the timing correct in the end, um, and so that was worked. And then I suppose, yeah, it was pretty similar to most of our other East African Enduro Series races that were ride down, get to the base, everyone waits for each other, and then if it's a shuttle back up, we all just go on the shuttle together, or if it's a ride back up, you just ride up at your own pace. Pretty friendly, pretty casual, and then get to the top, again, wait for everyone. And then it was, I think we did one-minute gaps. Um, mm-hmm. So it all yeah. worked out pretty well. And we went slowest to fastest, which for this event, I think actually worked quite well. And it kept everyone, like kept the group nice and tight. 
And then you did get to see people better than you come flying past you and you think, holy smokes, like how can you actually go that fast? Um, <laughs> so I think yeah. that was good as well because you got to see um, some really fast dudes. So obviously Will and Will was second and Vincent from his French guy, but he's living in Burundi at the moment. So he came over and, um, yeah, Vincent's quick, real quick. So it was pretty yeah. cool when you're out on the stage doing your best and then Vincent just comes, like, a lot faster. It's mm-hmm. like, holy smokes, like, that's yeah. a lot quicker. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. I think it I think it'd be good for the slower guys to go first because then, you, you know, you'd, always, you'd obviously be thinking there's fast guys coming behind me, so I need to yeah. push this on, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, happy and, um, days. No, so it worked out well. Like, we were concerned that the fast guys may not be able to pass. I suppose mm-hmm. in some ways that was the major, but in the end, everyone was pretty cool. And, um, you know, if you just yell out track or often they hear you coming anyway, mm-hmm. you know, a mountain bike on those types of trails is quite noisy. Um, so, yeah, I think it worked out well and it did keep the group nice and compact. So as opposed to having to wait the fastest dude, having to wait many, many minutes for the slowest person. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So, yeah, also we may even do that for more of our events over here, depending on the trails as well. I know some of the trails that I'm building here in E10, it takes a long time to be able to pass someone because some of them are pretty, pretty tight. But, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, we'll just see how it goes. But, no, I thought it worked out well and um, everyone had a good yeah. time. So, mm-hmm. And how many kind of competitors did you have? Yeah, many um, was a... We had, I guess there was 12 and then you could have myself and Renee. And yep. most of these people, people who flew in, such as Simon, there's actually, um, let me, there was, there was only one person who lives, or two people who live in Rwanda who participated. The rest who kind of ride are um, elder men who are kind of in the 50s or uh, almost 60s, and they kind of ride a lot of cross country. So, I think the enduro might have been just kind of too, um, I guess, too scary for them to try and to do. So um, I think, and also we, it was kind of a lot of short notice things. And at those dates, most people were either about to fly out of the country or had a lot of work. So um, I think if I work better on the advertising on both international ends and just reach out to the community and find a way to kind of have and the trails were actually all rideable so if we just have maybe just have a certain like four hours set up for more um commuters to kind of try the trails and maybe race just for fun and where they don't have to race with the pros who are going a lot faster and maybe they'll feel more comfortable with racing and would have a lot more entries that that way i think Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, so I am. I really hope that the local Kigali or the local Rwandan cyclists of any level can yeah. now get out there. Like it is on trail forks. Uh, yeah. And then go and check out the trails. And, and like Moses is saying, the next year they won't be as intimidated because they've picked the lines, they've sessioned the the steeper, yeah. trickier sections. And But it was all, yeah, yeah it all rode well. It was all pretty cool. Mm-hmm. And, and I think we had um, some good crowds at the finish too. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I think most of these, the Rwandans who have mountain bikes, they, the R is, I've never not gone out with a Rwandan who has a mountain bike. It might be a really steep trail, but if they see me ride down it, even, even if the bike is maybe 10 times worse in quality, I've, they've always managed to go down the hills. And I remember last year, I went down a pretty uh, technical place, and this guy... I crashed just going down it just because it was so steep and um, silky. And this guy asked to use my bike and try it. And he was kind of like a teenager. He had flip-flops on and he just <laughs> rode down the thing. He let go of the brakes and rode down. And he was at the bottom of that thing. And I I guess that's when I think they, they ride with more kind of send it, let loose. Don't really think of what can happen to you. And... They, of course, that kind of no fear factor. They could probably do pretty well in these Enduro series. Mm-hmm. And maybe in the far future when we 
we're doing better. I can maybe just have a few like bikes, cheap bikes for people to use, but they're nicer than those current bikes. Because if they use the current bikes, some of those bikes would definitely get wrecked at the Sanduro just because of how um, steep it is. The brakes might not be that good. So just for their safety, if we kind of had to wait for them to rent and use our bike, I think that would be good for them too. Yeah, I think that would be something good. It's always nice to get local guys involved because then yeah. they tell their friends and their friends tell their friends. And yeah, before you know it, you might need 100 bikes there. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know I know. there's a – if like last year, all the Rwandans who heard about it, they were kind of like, yes, I want to come. But I know my bike doesn't have the enough – I guess doesn't have the safety and – uh, mm-hmm. structure to ride down a hill like that so i think if one day i can kind of get people here in the u.s to donate the old bikes or the old tracks that they don't use anymore kind of gather a few bikes to bring back to rwanda and just kind of send them out with people coming to rwanda and i kind of i already have a place where i keep kind of storing things for rwanda and Euro. Mm-hmm. so i think that could work out yeah, that's cool. And as yeah. far as people um, spectating and things like that, did you have much local interest from, from that kind of side of things? Yes. Uh, a lot. Everyone who did come to watch, I mean, like, weeks leading up to it, they would they were always excited. They were always saying, when is this happening? When is this happening? And they would always just watch me and Renee coming down. And they would kind of just cheer for us. And then when the actual race day came, we we actually hadn't like announced it on the news or anything for people to see, but everyone on that mountain and on that road below, they kind of walked up some of the trail and they would stand in like some of the most random spots just to watch. And especially at one of the stages towards the finish, you have you're coming down actually really fast, but you have like lines of people on the side, mm-hmm. and then at the end there's a uh, sharp left turn where in the stage ends right there so actually for me it was kind of intimidating having so many people right there at the corner um, and actually since I was going so fast I almost bumped a guy so for next day we'll kind of have to set people and they normally get so excited they don't think we're on the way of the cyclists or we might get hit because they just <laughs> really want to see people like Vincent kind of gapping things, jumping a few things. And so they they really do like the... Um, they, in Rwanda, they just have a cycling uh, love. There are two sports that are actually the number one most watched sport right now in Rwanda is the Tour de Rwanda because they go in every single inch of the country cycling everywhere. So mm. even if you don't have a radio, you, you see them go past your little town or street. So if we kind of had Rwanda Enduro set out like that, everyone in the mountains and the villages, they'll be able to see the race because we can come to them if we do two, three different areas then next year. Mm-hmm. It sounds sounds very promising. And as far as the community goes, who's kind of benefiting from the Enduros being there? Does the local community get involved? Are they happy to see this kind of thing happening? Um, so I talked to the elders of the community, the police who's head of the community. They were happy to see it happen. And especially the community was happy just because kids got jobs to... Um, do help the parents work on the trails or and parents were really happy to kind of just see everyone working together and the um kids all all together everyone everyone people got jobs and everyone kind of benefited there was no one who didn't benefit we actually had to pay some people for the land because we had to go through the crops which meant mm-hmm. we bought the crops out that they were going to sell later on to the market so some people have been benefited. Yeah, wow. And, you know, it, it, is, it is pretty cool. And, you know, everything costs money at the end of the day. So what about sponsorship or what about paying for stuff, Moses? Was that difficult? Were you out of pocket? How did that all work? I mostly, I guess, 
Uh, let me think of this. Um, you can, you you re- yeah. uh, can you rephrase the question again? Yeah, you know, as far as sponsorship, did you have anybody that helped pay for these, pay for the workers, pay for the, uh, well, the fields? All the sponsors in Rwanda, most of them, the way companies work there, uh, they won't normally give the products. They'll never give cash. Mm-hmm. Um, so... We, I actually had no cash sponsor except my parents. So wow. right now, so they they were really kind, and in the end, the budget was way over what I thought it was gonna be, because mm-hmm. um, the money we made from entries was like thirty percent of everything in the end. Yeah. So my parents just they paid for every single thing. And I'm hoping next year, if things go well, to pay them back for this year. Mm-hmm. Just because mm-hmm. just pay them back. And um, so as sponsoring goes, I think I'd have to find sponsors in the U.S. And find more sponsors in Rwanda who have the resources we need, such as transport, cars, and other things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, nothing's so, free. That's right, but it was good. Like Skull Breweries came on board. Uh, they're the biggest sponsor of the Tour of Rwanda as well. They actually have their own cycling team, a road cycling team now as well, the Skull mm-hmm. team. So they were pretty cool that they let us use their vans and a truck to put all the people inside the van with seats and uh, then they put all the bikes in the truck and so a number of the shuttles on race day were done by Skull, which, um, yeah, ran pretty smoothly, smooth enough. So that was a big help, actually. So, uh, And then Moses would know the other sponsors. But, yeah, Skull was definitely the most visible. Mm-hmm. And one of the stage is actually finished almost at the front gate of the Skull factory. So I, remember, <laughs> I clearly remember that stage come hurtling down this hill and there was just a small lump in the road before the finish line. So most people were hitting it and getting some good air and the locals just went wild. <laughs> All the workers had come out the factory and so it was uh, yeah, it was cool. That drew a very, very good crowd actually. And mm-hmm. so it was good that Skull came on board and helped out a little bit. So Yeah, happy days. And you know, Simon, it's pretty amazing a young fellow like Moses, who's fifteen years old, will take this on his shoulders, will put his own money or you know or, or ask for the help from his parents to do something like this off his own bike like that's pretty much unheard of these days that's right no i was very impressed and uh yeah, like i said to moses when he was there like good job and he did do a very good job and everyone was quite impressed so that's um yeah it's good to see i don't think i would have been doing that when i was 15 oh man so, I- it's nuts um, to be thinking of doing that. Um, so, Simon, chat to us a wee bit then about um, what else has been happening around your area there, what you've kind of got planned for the near future. Yeah, sweet. So, um, we've just built a new trail down into the Kerio Valley. Which I'm not sure if I mentioned to you before, but there was an old road that was actually built to put um, power lines up many, many years ago. Um, and it goes from the very top of the valley all the way down the valley floor and then it goes a long, long way along the valley floor up to a dam. Um, So this old road is now just not being used anymore and so it had grown over, there was a lot of erosion, Um, trees had fallen down, rocks had fallen off the cliffs and an old man who lives in the village above that trail let us know I mean, yeah, I and, may and I went and walked it quite a number of times and then we were able to get some conversations going with the county yeah, with sports and tourism and luckily the sports and tourism people gave us some funding so I was able to pay all the workers and, and for and some just random tools and bits and pieces mm-hmm. so now we've got a six kilometre trail which descends about 700 metres vertical um, and it's all just, it starts in the Shambas or the farms and it finishes in Shambas, but in between, it's all just bushland. So it's um, quite a spectacular place and the views are unreal. Mm. There's a really, really cool lookout at pretty much exactly halfway. Um, so that we've actually made the trail go on to the lookout. Um, so you come down and we've placed some enormous rocks as seats there and 
it's a cool place to just chill out. So that'll be two of the stages for the um, for the Kerio Valley Enduro. Mm-hmm. And um, so that's been cool. And the local guy, um, William Omane, he was the guy that let us know this old road was there in the first place. He is pretty keen now for the young boys. And even Omane himself, he's 62 years old. He was down there most days digging, lifting rocks, moving wow. stuff around. Like he's, he's a machine. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and he's just full of energy. He's really cool. He's always on time and he rallies the boys well. And I think part of it is he just likes hanging out with the young lads. A whole mm-hmm. lot of like 20 year old boys just, you know, talking away in Kalenjin. And there's Omane. He's mixing it with them. So he's, um, no, it's pretty cool. So he's keen to, for me to build even more trails now, which is very nice. Um, awesome. So, yeah, it's, um, we'll see if we can link up some more stuff to the top of the, what we're calling the Omane Blake Trail. Uh, I was mm-hmm. just going to call it Omane, but a whole lot of people told me I should put my name in there as well because I actually <laughs> built the thing. Um, and for the Kerio Valley Enduro, we're hoping that we get a few sponsors on board and we'll have a big sort of like little finish celebration thing down in the valley in the place called Songhetto, which is essentially three small shops. Mm-hmm. Um, pretty much all you can buy there is sort of little things and some chai and chapatis on most days. Um, but we'll try and have some some stuff set up there and maybe some roasted goat meat and drinks and blah, blah, blah. So it should be a pretty cool way to finish the event, at least on day one. Um, and then... There's a big road cycling race happening, not this weekend, but the next weekend. It's easily East Africa's hardest one-day race. It's 120 kilometres with 3,000 metres of climbing. You get to 2,400 metres at the highest point, so it's a very, very tough race. With two, it's mainly two massive climbs in it and a lot of other small climbs. Um, and then we're getting, slowly getting even the Kenyan Riders team involved in some tourism stuff we haven't run any trips yet but we're linking some stuff together we've got a really nice easy ride from the town of e10 out mm-hmm. to a hill called so goit hill and it has giraffes on it so um so yeah, we'll be able to ride out like 25 kilometers just through the farms uh, on the northern rift and then go look at some giraffes have some lunch uh, at a pretty nice little farm there and then we'll ride back again so yeah, it's definitely different things happening, and Amazing. it's funny that in the news there's been some people from relatively high up in cycling starting to maybe just look at African cycling, and I don't know why all of a sudden, but um, yeah, there's been a few things in social media and bits and pieces, so hopefully um, that bears fruit somewhere, um, but yeah, so hopefully it puts Africa on the map a little bit more. Awesome. And uh, we've got our, the Kenyan Riders, we've got our pretty rough development program started now. Um, we're using some of the worst bikes in the world. We've set them all up as rigid single speeds and we pretty much use them for a weekend for, with the boys and then they break and then we spend the rest of the week fixing them again so they're ready for the boys to come back on their weekend when they're not at school. Wow. Uh, and we've just been slowly going around to different schools in the area testing boys it's generally three laps of the, the field at the school and then the best ones get invited to come on the weekend and some of those best ones keep coming some of them they don't want to be involved that's fine um, so there's no real pressure and, and part of that's the whole thing that we want to get them to come repeatedly and the boys that don't really have the heart for it or not really interested in cycling like no passion they're not going to keep coming mm-hmm. and even if they're super talented it's like cool man don't worry don't come um, yeah because you've got to have, yeah, you know, it might be a financial decision, sports in, in Africa, but if there's no passion, it's not going to work. So you've still got to like it at least a little bit to go the extra yard and, and just to get up early in the morning to do your training. and so, Of course. And, yeah. A lot of commitment. And so it seems like there's loads happening there, which is awesome. Um, and you've got all these different enduros now. How many enduros are set up around that area now? There's quite a few now, Simon. There is quite a few. I counted it the other day. It was something like seven or eight. 
Yeah, so I think that's nuts. Yeah, there's Will Clark's Elgon Enduro, and then there's my one, Carrier Valley, then there's Pete's for Pingo Ridge, then there's Ngong Enduro, now I've got the Rwanda Enduro, so that's five. Uh, there's Kajabi, that's six. Um, and then there's the 10 six. to 4, isn't there? There's oh, the... actually, there's the 10 to 4 Enduro, so there's seven, and then there's the Sagana Tana River Festival, that's eight. So I was correct. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, so we've got, we got eight. There's talk of doing another enduro down okay, Tater so. Hills, which um, Peter Horsey rides there probably more than any of us. It's a little bit closer to the coast than anywhere else. Um, but it's, uh, again, visually, it's stunning. And it's pretty much like dead flat for like a long, long way. And then you've got these pockets of hills. And they're not small. Like big, big hills pop out of these flatlands. Um, so when you're up at the top of the taters, you can see an awful long way. And some of the riding there is quite spectacular. Again, it's just all walking paths linking different farms and different villages together. Um, and the terrain changes so much. Like at the top of the hill, it's quite cold, quite green at parts, really, really big, big boulders everywhere, but interspersed with forest. Then as you further move down the hill, it becomes a lot more acacia and, and just really brown dry super hot but still especially in the afternoon when you get down the bottom it's, it's quite beautiful mm-hmm. um, so there may be another one there my number nine but um yeah so we'll see, see going well. So wow, it's... Involved and a lot of us now are actually trying to get guys to come in from overseas like yeah. from south africa or from europe and um and there's definitely even people i've reached out to are definitely interested uh, and they would love to come, but you know everyone's got lives and got to take time off, and it's an expense coming down. Mm-hmm. But uh, for like for myself and Will and, and other guys, like it's yeah, if you want to come for a bike riding holiday in Africa, then do it based around one of the enduros, and, and then do a bit of riding before and after. Mm-hmm. And there's uh, there's plenty of trail being found now, so that's a good thing. Yeah, it's it's pretty awesome, man, and uh, it's changed a lot since almost a couple of years ago when we had you on the podcast initially. And yeah, um, for sure. Yeah, dude, it's you're doing a lot of good work out there. Yeah, there and, was uh, there was two enduros when I first spoke to you. There was mine yeah. and Will's, and mine wasn't even really like I said. It was me, Will, and a mate Wes that turned up. So it wasn't even an event really, and and Will's event was more of a cross country race at the time with a. We'll sort of see what this enduro thing's about. Mm-hmm. Um, so I remember when I spoke to you from Sippy Falls, that's exactly what it was. And now we've got eight events, and it's still a little bit of um, make it up as we go. And but you know we're getting all the timing is all correct now. Uh, if people know what's going on, we get it on WebScorer, so it says live feeds if people are interested. Uh, and then we're starting to get some sponsorship involved, so it was awesome that Moses was able to get some sponsors on board. Um, and there are guys in East Africa that are keen, even the Elgar Marrakech County, where he 10 is, in the Carrier Valley, they're keen. I think they just think it's quite exciting seeing the videos of guys hurtling themselves down hills. Um, and then, uh, yeah, yeah, it's and awesome. Then Cycle East Africa is still in its early days but we're getting it set up so it's my thing and also part of the team to try and make sort of a, a business out of the team in a way so they can still make money via riding bikes while they're an athlete or if they don't make it as a professional cyclist and they've got something to do sort of afterwards because they know what they're doing they're good enough at mechanics they're obviously good bike riders um, so it's just putting some itineraries together and, and getting it out there so people can choose Mm-hmm. but always looking for equipment yeah i know i know and, that, and even like moses said you know the, these young guys ride on the side of those hills in kigali that are as good if not better than moses moses he's a good bike rider and but they can't come because they just don't have a bike so it's, it's definitely yeah. an issue in africa the equipment is a problem yeah and I know that was one of the issues initially when we spoke was the, the difficulty of getting bikes and, and good bikes at that uh, and the price yep. also of yep. getting those kind of bikes and into and Africa there. But 
Yeah, hopefully, with the advance of the Enduros and everything else that's going on, that may get a wee bit easier for you. Yeah, yeah. And um, that's something else I haven't mentioned, but the, I don't know if I've told you before, but a good mate of mine from South Africa, he used to work for Specialised, and he now runs his own business called King Pigeon Sports. Um, but we've set up Modger Bikes, and Harry... He's pretty much been doing everything yeah. lately, and he's dealing with uh, Maxway and I think it's Tange out of Taiwan. So they're building us a bike to our specifications that we think will be very, very good for that entry-level market of an African cyclist. And it's going to be a rigid single speed, but built around sort of trail geometry, so it's not a commuter bike. It's definitely a mountain bike, um, but it's as simple and unbreakable as possible. Mm-hmm. always be broken but we're trying to limit the amount of wear and tear and even limit what maintenance needs to be done mm-hmm. um, so i know actually just today harry paid for some samples to be made then we'll get those samples over here and then we'll try and break them and then we'll see what awesome, needs to be guys. fixed so in some that's very very exciting and i'm like super grateful for harry has just been like an endless game of ping pong with emails trying to get specifications exactly right um, and it looks like it's just about to happen so yeah that is very very exciting and could be a really really good thing for east african site or african site full stop um, yeah and i know there's other people are interested in the bikes once we get them made but uh, just have to wait and see what happens yeah cool well listen guys thanks so much for coming on the show moses you're still there are you yeah yeah yeah, thanks so much, bro, for coming on. I know it's been hard to get everything linked up and get us all chatting at the same time, but um, we finally got there, you know. We pushed on and we got it done. Yeah. Um, so thanks so much for coming on, guys. Listen, I really appreciate it, and um, I hope everything keeps going well for you guys out there. You are doing everything right anyway, and we'll always keep tabs and we'll keep we'll keep uh, in uh, conversation and see what we can help each other with in the near future. Sweet. Thanks for your time, Gareth. All right, guys, have a good day and um, try and get out for a ride if you can, huh? Yeah, for sure. Tomorrow morning I'm going out to drop one of the stages, check it again. for. Cool. Uh, yeah. And uh, cool. I'll see you. Talk to you later, Moses. Yep, talk to you later. All right, Thanks, Moses. Cheers, bud. Speak to you later. Yep. Bye. That's a wrap for episode 95, folks. I hope you enjoyed the podcast and sorry for the sound quality at the end but sorry Moses had to go and um, that's the best I could make it for you guys so I hope that didn't put you off too much now Moses and Simon thanks so much for coming on the show it was great to find out what was going on in East Africa and how the Enduro went for you guys and the the issues and and the problems you had setting things up there and it's always good to get insights into that so thanks so much for coming on and telling us about that and I hope everything goes well for you down the rest of the year there and um, I know you guys are doing great stuff so well well done now folks if you want to know more about what's happening in East Africa or you want to touch a wee bit on on the Rwanda Enduro just go to the show notes you'll find them at mtb-tribe.com you'll get all the links there you'll get all the social links and stuff so you can connect with most of the people that were involved there in uh, making that enduro happen there's loads of social links and emails and stuff like that there where you can touch base with those guys and find out what's really going on and you know if you are looking for a big holiday that would be pretty amazing out there the trails those guys have unreal and you could ride for days like there's no shortage of trails out there that is for sure so hook them guys up and see what they're getting up to now if you want to support the show uh, the best way of doing that is subscribing rating and reviewing us on apple podcasts every one of your ratings helps us boost on the old apple algorithms and it helps spread the good word about the show to more people so i really appreciate that if you guys are doing that now if you're not on apple don't worry you can find us and subscribe via stitcher spotify and podbean you can also visit the website mtb-tribe.com where you can find the complete buy catalogue listen and download every show remember it's free as well uh, and you can also subscribe there and get one email per week with a quick synopsis easy link to the show letting you know who's on there so it's that simple folks it's that easy now you can also get involved on social media we are on facebook and instagram at mtb tribe and i would be very very appreciative if you just take screenshots of the show share it out among your friends 
that's the best way to get the show out there to more people and get more people off the off the sofas and on the saddles um, it's just by word of mouth and sharing via socials so thanks so much folks for being here don't forget about the offers from trail unknown and the strength factory don't forget the strength factory deal runs out on the 15th of july so take advantage of that while you can all right folks i will speak to you next week but until then go out in the trails hit the hills and have a great time chat to you soon